beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we, when we lived in Ontario, on the road that we would take to go to church, there was a, a house that someone had started to build. It was a bit of a, a strange house. It's a little bit hard to describe. It was, it was basically all, all concrete, and it was built in, into a hill. And it, it, you could maybe, if, if you're familiar with the Lord of the Rings or something like that, you, it, it, was a, it was a hobbit. It was almost like a hobbit house, um, if you know what that, those are. But anyways, this house kept getting built slowly but surely, and they finally they put the windows in, and then it just, it just stopped. It just stopped. We don't know why. Maybe the owner ran out of money. We don't know. That was quite a few years ago, but even still last summer when, when we were there, they, the house was still there. It was abandoned. It was unfinished. Probably all of us have, have projects like that, I, I imagine. Projects that we've started and, and we've never finished. Maybe, children, you've you maybe had this idea to write a, a story and you started and, and after a little while you, you gave up. You lost interest in it. Or maybe you've tried starting painting a picture, one of those big paint by numbers and you start it but it's, it's so long, takes so long, so much work and you give up. Or, or, or maybe a Lego, a Lego creation that you, you, you begin and it's so big or you're, you, you just, you, you, you have other things that interest you and, and you... You give up. You never finish it. We've all started things and, and never finished them. And, and often, sometimes, the, the bigger the, our plans are, the bigger our ideas are, the more likely, the more likely we're not going to stick with it. The more likely we're not going to finish. And so when we hear of somebody pl- planning, somebody boasting that they're going to do something big, plan something big, build something big and grand, well, we might say something like, I'll believe it when I see it. We're skeptical. Skeptical that it will ever happen that it will ever be completed. We know how often people are unable to finish, to complete and perfect the things they've started. And sometimes we can think, we can think the same way about God. We can think, or, or we can live at least, as if God isn't able to finish the work of salvation that He has begun. Maybe that's, for some of you here, maybe that's the reason why you... Well, why you won't trust Him? Why you won't trust the Lord? Free, free, full salvation, that that's just too good to be true. You, you look around you and you look at the, the, these unfinished Christians and you say, yeah, right. But this can also be, be a struggle for, for God's people. For those who are holding on for dear life to Jesus Christ. For their salvation. When they look at themselves, they see all their shortcomings, they see all their failures, they see their sins, their backslidings, and and there are so many, if we're honest with ourselves, there there are so many. And and we can get discouraged. We can can be tempted even to despair. Or or perhaps we we say, well, you know what, I have to to just try harder. And we become more self-reliant, thinking and living as if our salvation depends on what we do. As if, as if God isn't able to finish the work that He has begun. Well, that's, what, that's what makes our text so, so precious and so important this morning. Philippians 1 verse 6 is our text. You see, it, it, it tells us that, that God will certainly perfect, will certainly perfect the work He has begun, His work of salvation. Listen to what Paul says here in Philippians 1 6. Being confident of this very thing, 
that he, meaning God, which has begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The good work. The good work that God has begun refers here to His saving work as a whole, His his salvation. Salvation that was evidenced, as we saw last time, by the Philippians' fellowship in the gospel. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying that God will certainly perfect His work, His good work of salvation that He has begun in the hearts and in the souls and the lives of His people. That's the message of our text. What a promise it is. It's a promise also that is signed and sealed to us in the Lord's Supper. So with God's help, we want to look at this promise under the theme, God will perfect His good work of salvation. We'll notice three things. First of all, He'll perfect it fully. Secondly, He will perfect it by His grace. And thirdly, He will perfect it until Christ's coming again. So first of all, God will perfect His good work of salvation Fully, fully. Our translation says that he, that's that's God which has begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now what does that word perform mean? And when we use that word perform today, we we might think of, uh, we we might use it to describe something like putting on a show. uh, Doing something in front of an audience. You can can think of how we might say a, a dog performs tricks or a choir performs a concert. But that's not really what the word perform means here in our text. It actually means to bring something to full completion. Like building a house and finishing it. The the idea is that God will not abandon the work He has begun, but He will bring it, He will carry it on to completion. He will continue it until it's complete, until it's fully perfect. He will finish it. He won't leave even the smallest detail. Undone. He will perfect his good work of salvation fully. And that means, for one, one thing, that means he will make us completely holy. He will make us sinless. When God begins his good work of salvation, we, we know, don't we, he doesn't start with sinless people, right? He doesn't start with sinless people. If he started with sinless people, we, none of us would have any hope, right? He starts with sinful people. And his promise and his purpose is to perfect his people fully, to make them totally sinless. What a wonderful promise that is. God will perfect his work of salvation in his people. That means, dear believer, that he won't abandon you. He he won't forsake you. He won't leave you. The promise of of our text is that he will make you who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. He will make you perfectly, completely sinless and holy one day. That's what he's aiming at. That's where he's going with you. What a comfort that is. What a comfort that is when you look at yourself and you see so much sin and evil in yourself still, and it grieves you so much, and it, it makes you afraid, and you, you, you wonder, will God, will God just give up on me? Will He just leave me to the side? I'm too, I, I, I'm, I'm too, too far gone. Well, the answer of our text is no, He won't do that. He didn't die for the sinless. He died for sinners, so that He might save them from their sins. Not just from the guilt of sin, and not just from the punishment of sin, but also from the power, and ultimately, from the presence of sin. He won't reject you. 
or turn you away because of your sin. He will receive you and He will continue His work of salvation in you until it's complete. And the Lord's Supper, it's a visible sign, a, a, a tangible sign and seal of that promise, of that reality, that God will perfect His work of salvation fully. It's meant to assure you that He's doing that work. He's performing, He's carrying on that work in you, dear believer, even now, because He is faithful. He is God and He is faithful. He will make you completely sinless. And so what comfort, not only, but what hope that gives to us in our struggle against sin, in our struggle against unbelief as, as believers. And all of us struggle, congregation, or at least we should be struggling. Because none of us is perfect. You know, the Philippian Christians weren't perfect either. That's what Paul's really implying in verse 6, isn't it? Oh yes, he's thankful for them. Yes, he prays for them all with joy because of their consistent fellowship in the gospel. We saw that last week, but, but they were far from perfect. They had their struggles with sin. They weren't perfect. Even when it comes to fellowship, read the rest of Philippians. Why does Paul in Philippians 2 have to say, let each one look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others? In Philippians 4, Paul even addresses a, a specific conflict between two women who had, who had in, in the Philippian church who had labored with him in the gospel. You see, Paul knows, even as he thanks God for, for his starting the work, for, for the Philippians' fellowship in the gospel, he knows they're not perfect. And he knows he's not perfect either. You, you, you see that in, in, in Philippians 3. He admits that. But he, what, what's his hope then? What's his hope? Does he look at the Philippians and see their imperfections and say, you know what, it's, it's just, they're, they're, they're hopeless. Does he look at himself and he say, I, I'm hopeless. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Because his hope is not in himself. He also knows, you see, he knows not only that we're not perfect, but he knows also that God always finishes what he starts. I love how one commentator put it. He said, Paul's confidence is not in the Christianity of the Christians, but in the godness of God, who is supremely trustworthy, able, and committed to finish the work he has begun. Paul is confident that God will fully perfect his good work of salvation. That's our hope, you see. That's our hope. That's our basis for coming to the Lord's Supper. Yes, we have many sins still. Yes, we have many shortcomings. Yes, we have so much unbelief. Yes, we have so much selfishness in our hearts. But if we are looking to Christ and not being complacent about our sins and our unbelief, but earnestly desiring to fight against them and to live in obedience to all of God's commandments, that's evidence, you see, that's evidence that God has begun a good work in us. And therefore, we may be sure that he's willing to receive us sinners as we are because all of our sins are covered. They're covered by the blood of Christ. And he has promised, he has promised he's going to perfect his work fully, no matter how small, no matter how small it may be and seem in your own heart and life right now. He has promised, he has promised, he will bring it to completion. He will make us like His Son.
That's, that's what our text is promising. It's promising that God will make those in whom he has begun a good work, those who are looking to the Lord Jesus alone, he will make them like Jesus, like his son. Paul put it this way in Romans 8, verses 28 and 29. He said, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? Keep reading. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren. You say, I'm so far from that. So am I. But God, he will perfect. He will bring to completion that good work of salvation that he has begun in you and in me. He will make us like his Son. That's his promise. That's his promise. And the Lord's Supper is is both a confirmation of that promise and a means to the fulfillment of that promise. You see, the Lord's Supper congregation isn't for those who are already fully conformed to the image of God's Son. It's not for those who've arrived, because none of us have. It's for you who know you haven't and who are relying on Him. You're resting your weight on Him. That you, You rest your weight on the bench you're sitting on. You rest the weight of your soul on Him. And on his death on the cross for all of your salvation. And you're seeking and you're longing. You want, that to, you want that to be conformed to his image. And in the Lord's Supper, God is saying, he's reassuring, he's saying, I'm committed to that. I'm fully committed to perfecting my work of salvation, my good work. I'm committed to making you perfect, to making you holy, just like my son. I gave him as a sacrifice on the cross for you, and I will not let him die in vain. And the Lord's Supper itself isn't just a confirmation, it's it's even a means to, to, to begin to fulfill that promise. You see, by this bread and the wine symbolizing the, 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 the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's as we eat and we drink them in, in faith, by faith in him, we commune with Christ. And, we, and he communes with us. And it's out of that communion, out of that fellowship with him that we become more and more like him. You know, it's kind of like sometimes when a husband and wife, they love each other and they spend a lot of time together. You, you start to see sometimes that they, they, they begin to act and, and speak like each other. And sometimes we, we even think, well, they look like each other. It's the same way with, with Christ. It's, it's by spending time with Christ in faith, communing with Christ in faith, also at his table, that, that we begin to become more like him. We behold him as in a mirror, Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 5. And we are changed into his image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. If the Lord will perfect his good work of salvation fully. His word tells us so and his table assures us so. So don't stay away from the table because because you haven't arrived at perfection. Come because you haven't arrived. Come because you need Jesus and you need his full perfection. Come trusting in Christ. No matter how far from perfection you are right now, God who has begun his good work of salvation in you will perfect it fully. Maybe you ask, well, doesn't his fully perfecting his good work, his, his salvation, doesn't it depend on what I do? 
on my works, on, on my faithfulness, on my repentance, on, on my faith, on something in me. Well, what's the answer of our text? Look at our text. Does it, does it say anything anywhere about us in that text? That something, that God's completion of his good work depends on us. Being confident of this very thing, Paul says, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say anything about us doing anything, does it? And that brings us to our second point. God will perfect his good work of salvation by his grace. The text says that he, God, the Lord, alone, will bring his work of salvation to completion. It doesn't say he will bring it to completion with our help, with your help. No, it simply says he, 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 it's all he, it's all in him. He has begun it and he will finish it. The work of our salvation from beginning to end is God's work and it's his alone. Now that doesn't mean his, his work won't make us work. His work does make us work. But it doesn't make us work for our salvation. It makes us work out our salvation. A salvation that we have in Christ already who, when we trust in him. And even that working out our salvation is only possible because God is continually working in us. That's what Paul says in, in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For this is the reason why we are and we can work out our salvation. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The point is, beloved, our salvation from start to finish, from election and, and calling and, and regeneration all the way to, to glorification is all of God. Salvation is of the Lord. God began, dear believer, God began his good work of you, good work of salvation in you by his grace. It wasn't you who sought him first. It was he who sought you. It wasn't you who loved him first. It was he who loved you and drew you to him. As one hymn puts it, "'Tis not that I did choose thee, for, Lord, that could not be. This heart would still refuse thee, hadst thou not chosen me. Thou from the sin that stained me hast cleansed and set me free. Of old thou hast ordained me, that I should live to thee." You see, if you are, if you are a believer, if you are looking to Christ, However tremblingly, it's because God has begun a good work in you, all by His grace. Isn't that amazing? But it's even more amazing than that, because that good work which He has begun in you, He will also bring it to completion. He will perfect it by His grace. As Psalter 381, which we'll sing later, says, The work thou hast for me begun shall by thy grace be fully done. Do you want that grace, beloved? Oh, what a comfort it is to your congregation when you wonder sometimes if you'll ever get there. When your growth in Christ seems so small and, and so slow, when it seems like for every step you take forward at times, you take three steps backwards. How comforting it is to know that God will perfect His good work in us by His grace. One commentator, James James Montgomery Boyce says in connection with our text, God never begins a thing that he doesn't intend to finish. And when he does it, God does it all. 
in spite of our foolishness, in spite of our running away, in spite of ourselves. We are brought to safety, not by our own efforts or our own devices, but solely by the faithfulness of our Heavenly Father. You know that in your own life? The faithfulness, the grace of our Heavenly Father is the only reason, congregation, that any of us will make it to glory. And it's that faithfulness, that grace of God that is signed and sealed to us in the Lord's Supper this morning, in the broken bread, in the poured out wine. What a gracious encouragement for sinners like us. God will perfect his good work of salvation. He will perfect it fully. He will, he will perfect it by his grace. And lastly, he will perfect it until Christ's coming again. Being confident of this very thing, Paul says, he that he which has begun a good work in you will complete it, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, God will not forsake. He will not abandon his work of salvation in his people, ever. He will keep at it until Jesus Christ returns. That's when it will be fully done. That's when it will be perfect. He will persevere with his people. He won't stop. He won't give up. He won't forsake the work of his own hands. He'll never take a break. He'll he'll never lose interest. He'll never run out of resources. He'll never fail. His grace never fails. He will carry on his good work of salvation that he has begun in his, his people. Until the day of Jesus Christ. When he comes again. And our bodies. If, if, we're, if we've fallen asleep in Christ. Our bodies will be raised and glorified. Made like Christ. And if we're living at the time. We'll, we'll, we'll be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. And, and, and we'll live in the presence of God. We'll be with the Lord forever. Then our salvation will be fully perfected. And God won't give up any of his people between now and then. He won't. John 10, my sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them to me, is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You are safe, dear believer. You are safe and secure in the hands of Jesus. It's the best place to be, isn't it? It's the best place to be. And the Lord's promise to perfect His salvation until Christ's coming again means not only that He'll persevere simply and preserve His people, Till then, but it means that he will sanctify. He will sanctify. He will bring his salvation to completion. Oh, there's, there's going to be many values. Sanctifi- sanctification isn't just a, a straight line upward. It, it, it's, it's full of valleys and, and hills and, and all of these things. And, 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 and sanctification really, it, it means the, the more you grow in sanctification, really, actually, the more you, you grow in humility. Because what happens is, as, you, as you, God gives you the grace to overcome one sin, he, he then shows you more sins and, and, and that humbles you. But God is sanctifying you. And in the midst of all that, even also the discouragements that, that can come from, from seeing our sins, in the midst of all that, 
in the midst of that journey, from the first day he began to work, until the day he, he comes again, until the day also of, of, of your own death, he gives you this, this supper. He gives you himself, really. A supper by which we show, by which we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. To assure us that he freely forgives. He freely forgives all our sins completely. Completely. And he grants us eternal life. All for the sake of that one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. On the cross. And he gives this supper to assure us that full perfection is coming. It's coming. So that we might, with Paul, might be confident of this very thing. That he which has begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What a Savior. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in awe of your grace, of your majesty, as a sovereign Lord God, a God of sovereign grace. What a wonder, what a miracle it is, O oh Lord, that we may be saved. What a miracle it is that we may stay saved. And what a miracle it is that we will one day that salvation will be perfected, it will be completed, and will be with you in glory forever. There'll be no more sin. We'll be made like the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, we acknowledge we can have so many struggles. Also, when it comes to, to the Lord's Supper, we look at ourselves. But Father, help us to look away from ourselves. Help us to look to Christ and to look to these promises that you have given. You will not give up on us. And it's not on the basis of ourselves, on anything we do, that we are saved or may come to the table. But it's on the basis of the godness of our God. So we look to you. We look to you for help also and your blessing. To celebrate the Lord's Supper. Be present among us. O Spirit of God, work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.